0: Thank you, worship team. By the way, we uh, forgot to mention the JV, 6th and 7th graders. Uh, Your class is uh, waiting for you, so if you head on out into uh, the foyer. The teacher there will be waiting for you, 6th and 7th graders. If you were with us last week, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we had uh, missionaries uh, last week. It was our mission celebration. And he said something that really... uh, stirred me. He said that where he ministers, and I won't name the country, but it's out in the Middle East somewhere. um, He said that their outlook is that every American is a Christian. If they look at you and you say you're American, they automatically assume you're Christian. And I remember growing up, my parents would tell us If anybody asks you your religion, you tell them you're Christian. Now, in those days, you could ask about religion on applications and all that. Of course, now you can. Uh, But I remember, even though I didn't go to church, I was still a Christian. And so, I really began uh, considering this label, this title uh, that we embrace so easily And so, I started to just ask some questions. What does it mean to be Christian? I mean, if you identify yourself as a Christian, what does that mean? We know that the word Christian means, uh, in its simple form, a follower of Christ. But that led me to another question. Well, what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? These are the questions that we are going to i uh, look to the Lord to an- help us answer this morning as we continue in this series that we called Remarkable. We've been taking a little journey through the gospel of Mark. And so, uh, to this morning, we're going to look at chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say, You are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then... Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are saying things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross And follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in this adulterous, and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for ministering to us already in such a wonderful way. And as we prepare to really delve into this Scripture that you placed in my heart, God, I pray for the guidance of your Holy Spirit today that I would say only what you want me to say, the way you want me to say it, in the spirit you want me to say it. I pray, Father, that you would help all of us, including those who are watching on the internet this morning, God. Would you help us all to truly see, to understand what you are saying to us today? as the people of God and we thank you for in advance in Jesus name and everyone say it with me amen. Amen. amen all right let's recap now our text notice that Jesus asked the disciples who do people say that I am and some say hey you're, you're you're John the Baptist remember John the Baptist has been killed so some people are thinking that he's the reincarnation of John the Baptist. Some said, you're Elijah, the old prophet. They, Elijah was considered the major prophet in Israel. So there, and, and the, it spoke, the Bible speaks about Elijah coming back. So now they're thinking, well, maybe you're, some people think you're Elijah. And some said, no, some people think you're one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? What do you tell people about me? What's your perspective about who I am? And Peter speaks up, you're Messiah. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one that we, the people of God, are waiting for, the great deliverer. And Jesus now begins to tell them about what is going to happen soon that soon he's going to be arrested, that the religious leaders are going to be the one behind all of this and that they're going to persecute him and that ultimately he would be crucified and die. But on the third day, he would raise from the dead. Now, Peter, he's hearing all this, He just got the understanding. We call it revelation. He just got this spiritual awakening, this understanding. The man standing before me is Messiah. And now he's talking about dying. He's talking about being crucified. Uh, He's talking about then coming back on the third day. That can't happen because Messiah is supposed to deliver us from Rome. Uh, Rome uh, at that time was in charge of the nation of Israel and was oppressing them. And so Peter has this concept, we are all waiting for Messiah. Messiah will set us free from Roman oppression and liberate us as his people. So you can't talk about dying, Jesus. Jesus is hearing this, And now he turns around and he sees the other disciples, God only knows what they were thinking, maybe they were thinking the same thing, because that was the common concept of every Jewish man and woman, that they were waiting for Messiah. And now the Lord turns around and he reprimands Peter. And he even called him Satan. How would you like God to call you Satan? Not a good thing. But notice why he called him Satan. He said, you don't have the plan of God in your mind. You have the plans of human. You have a, in other words, you, let me put it exactly. You have a human point of view. Peter, you're looking at this thing from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. And then he goes on and say, come on, everybody in the crowd, come closer, join us. He wants all in the crowd to listen and hear what he's about to say indicating that this is very important, what he's going to say. And now he says, if any of you want to be my follower, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, here's what you have to do. You have to now get to that place where you have to turn from your selfish living, you have to take up your cross, and you have to follow me. These are the three things you must do to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So now, as we just read, I believe this text clearly lays out what it truly means to be called a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, listen to me, it's not enough to call yourself a Christian, It's not enough for you and I to go around telling people if they ask us, uh, where where do we stand uh, religiously and all? It's not enough to say, well, I'm a Christian. You have to live out what you profess. You and I have to daily live out what we profess with our mouth. And so this morning's message is entitled, Living Out Our Profession. If we are Christians here this morning, then I want to talk to you for the next few moments what does it mean to be a Christian. How do you live out what you profess with your mouth when you call yourself a Christian? Well, Jesus said three things. Let's go over them. Number one, it's all about turning from selfish living. That's where it begins, turning from selfish living. And what that literally means is to totally deny what you desire or want out of life and to surrender that to Jesus it's not about surrendering some things and holding on to others jesus was talking about a uh, 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 turning from selfish living he was talking about now a total surrender where it's not about what you desire out of life it's not about what you want out of life it is all Or nothing in giving it all to Jesus Christ. You see, remember Peter, the reason why Peter got reprimanded by the Lord or rebuked, whatever word you want to use, is because Peter wanted life to unfold in a very specific way. He wanted Jesus to be the the Messiah, but the Messiah as he saw it, he wanted Jesus to deliver the people of God from Roman oppression and to establish his kingdom. But that wasn't God's plan. And there are times that you and I can begin living selfishly in that we live or so selfishly we don't realize we want God to embrace our plan, not his plan. We want God to bless our plan, not his plan. And no matter how you sugarcoat it, how you camouflage it, the moment you're looking at what you want, you've now become selfish. And Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must. Everybody say, must with me this morning. Now, must doesn't mean you have an option. In other words, there's no getting around it. There's no loophole in this thing. If you want to call yourself Christian, if you want to be my follower, it begins with you must turn from selfish living. See, selfish living can easily be identified in that we are thinking externally. We're thinking about the physical life Jesus is always thinking internally, the spiritual life. Whenever our focus shifts from the internal to the external, we begin living selfish lives. Because we begin seeing, this is what I want, so I have to go after that. This is what I'm I'm striving for, so I have to now uh, uh, rearrange my life. And all of a sudden, and I'm not saying these things in and of themselves are bad. Listen to me, what I'm saying this morning. I'm saying that they can derail us from God's purpose, and we begin to look at life physically by what we feel should take place. And I don't know about you, but every time I think God is going to do something this way, he does it that way. Why? Because God himself says in his word, your ways are not my ways. Right? How you think is not the way I think God is saying. And oftentimes, we get into trouble, don't we? Because we, we, and even get frustrated at God because we, like Peter, we have this perspective. Think about this for a moment. Peter just said, you are the Messiah. For a Hebrew to say that, he was literally saying, you are God. And then he turned around and rebuked God. Think about how quick that happened. And you say, oh, my God, how could that happen? We do it every day. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we Christians, we like to say, oh, you God, we worship you, we praise you. I can't believe you let that happen, God. I can't believe this is going And you get angry at God, it's start rebuking God. Yes. With the same mouth that you praise him, you curse him. Yes. 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 So living out our profession means, number one, turning from selfish living. Now we got to buckle our seatbelt because it's going to get a little bumpy of the ride. Come on, look at your neighbors. It's time to buckle the seatbelt because we thought that was rough. Then Jesus said this, right? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. And number two, it's taking up your cross. You must take up your cross. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, let's identify first that in these, those days, the Romans, who were in charge, and when Mark wrote this letter to the Christians, at that moment in time, there was a, a Roman emperor called Nero. Nero was on the throne, and Nero was vicious when it came to killing Christians, in fact, Nero was so out of his mind with coming and killing and persecuting Christians that he literally lit Rome by putting Christians on, the cro- on a cross and then lighting them up. And he lit all of Rome up by burning actual Christians. And Mark, at that time, is quoting the words of Jesus. You want you my follower, you got to pick up your cross. Now, all the Christians then... Exact, knew exactly what the Lord was talking about. But for you and I, what does that mean? Well, the cross is an instrument of death. It was used by the Romans to produce death. So for you and I, the Bible says this in the book of Galatians, chapter 20, in verse 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Say that with me. And I no longer live. One more time. And I no longer live. But listen, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what the Apostle Paul was saying here is this. Once you embrace Christ as your Savior, once Jesus comes and lives in your heart by his Spirit, now he takes a residence there, and you and I have a choice every single day multiple times during the day who's going to live through this body are you going to live through the body or is Jesus going to live through the body you see taking up your cross means a daily surrender of our lives to Jesus Christ letting him understand here's a, a, a wonderful daily prayer God gives you fresh breath this morning and now you wake up and say God thank you for a new day now God I give you my life. Do with it as you see fit. Take control, oh God. Whatever you desire to happen, I embrace it, Father, because it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. Remember Jesus in the garden right before they arrested him? The Bible says he prayed that, Father, I know what's coming up. He was saying, I know I'm going to be arrested. I know I'm going to be whipped and beaten, and I know ultimately I'm going to suffer a a horrific death on the cross. God, I I don't want that to happen, but not my will. Your will be done. What was Jesus simply praying? He was praying, here's my life. Do with it as you see fit and he embraced the will of the Father. Now, let somebody think this is so morbid that God wants to kill us uh, every single day. What, What God is talking about here is simply you and I making a decision to lay down our will every single day, to recognize Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross of Calvary, not just for the forgiveness of my sin. He died so that he can come and take up residence in my soul by his spirit. And now I belong to him, for at one point I belonged to sin. I was a slave to sin. It was my master. Every single one of us, before we embrace Christ as our Savior, we're all born a slave to sin. Sin is our master. It dictates to us. It tells us what to do, how to live, what to say. And all of us have been in that place where we have done something or said something that we know was wrong, but somehow we just didn't have the wherewithal to stop that sin controlling us. But now we embrace Christ as our Savior, and the power of sin is broken in our life. But see, now we have shifted masters. Now sin is no longer our master, but now we belong to Christ who paid the price, we belong to God the Father because he, the price was the blood of his son. Now, we love to say, I belong to God when it comes to prayer, when it comes to God coming to the rescue. Yeah, devil, you, I belong to God. I'm a child of God. God is going to see me through. That is wonderful and important to believe that and always remember that. But we can't forget the other side of that coin. That belonging to God means my life is his to do with as he sees fit. Now, the problem is we have this understanding that is unbiblical in much of Christianity. People think God exists to serve us and not the other way around. See, Christianity is the understanding. I exist to serve God. He doesn't exist to serve me. God had mercy on me and forgave me of my sins. God poured his spirit in my heart. Man, I feel great. I have life where I didn't have life. And now God's got me on this incredible journey that he has a great plan for my life. But I still have to say yes to that plan. Every single day, I have to come to that place where I pick up my cross. That symbolism means that I surrender to God my will and say, God, Let your will be done in my life today, wherever it's going to take me, God. That's what it means to live out what we profess with our mouth, you see. It's why Jesus said this, the road that leads to destruction, to hell, is wide and easy. And everybody travels on that road. But the road that leads to eternal life is narrow and it's hard. And few choose it. Why? Because to choose that means I choose to lay down my life. I choose to surrender everything to God. And we know when we have not made that choice, when we are insistent upon doing what we want, and then we want God to bless it, you see. It's been the problem of God's people from the moment God set his people free through Moses, and he began that journey. The children of Israel have always had that thing where they come to a place where they want what they want and then they want God to bless it. And now entering Christianity, and now we have God's people afresh and anew with the Spirit of God, with mercy and grace every single day, experiencing all the wonderful things, and yet we have a difficult time surrendering. That's a bad word to a lot of us, saying, I'm not going to surrender my life to God. I mean, what if he makes me a missionary? Well, what if he does? Is not your life belong to him? You like to say that when you want him to come to your rescue. But see, we need to recognize God is not a killjoy. Let me just say that. People think surrendering, if I surrender my life to to God, that's it. I'm not going to enjoy life anymore. You know, because you think that the devil has convinced you to believe that somehow surrendering to God, oh my God, he's going to make me a missionary in Antarctica and I hate the cold. Oh my God. We think it's the worst. We think that somehow God is out to make our life miserable. But here's the thing. You will never find greater joy than when you're in the center of God's will. Never. (laughs) Do you think I had plans to be a minister? I didn't have plans to be a minister. In fact, the very first time my brother shared the gospel with me, I laughed. Christian? Me? Nah. I got plans. I want to enjoy my life. I think God making me a minister was so that he can get the last laugh. (laughs) But seriously, I've never had more joy in my life than being in the very center of God's will. And every single day is a matter of you and I taking up our cross living out our profession. So number one, living out our profession is turning from selfish living. Number two, Jesus said, take up your cross. So it's taking up our cross. And here's number three. And he said, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Following Jesus is the third point. Now, what that means is literally... Walking beside Jesus on the road he's walking on. I have to stress the road he's walking on, right? Let's picture, Mark, would you come and help me out here? So Mark is going to be Jesus because he's got a beard, so that makes him Jesus. (laughs) Plus, he's a better man than I am. So now, Jesus said, to be a follower of me, you have to Deny yourself or stop living selfish lives, you have to take up your cross and you have to walk where I walk. And so the picture literally in the Greek is that we're walking in close intimacy, conversing, talking, following the path he's following. Now, invariably, let's go over here, Mark. Invariably, path, there will be, all of a sudden, we'll come to a place where you can go right, you can go left, or you can go straight. We all face those choices multiple times during the day. Here's the secret to being a follower of Christ. You walk where he walks. You see, that looks good to me, Jesus. But Jesus no, we're going there. And he never varies his course. Never. He is always in the center of God's will. The issue is, do I want to follow him? Or do I want to go this way? Now, come on back, Jesus. (laughs) The part where we miss up oftentimes is not realizing how crucial it is to follow close to Jesus. And that, in this, uh, here's what I'm talking about. Walking with Jesus is more than just, well, when he walks, I walk. No. How many know, even guys I mean, on average, men speak about twenty-five hundred words in a day. Women, twenty thousand. <laughs> this is true, right? So, like when uh, uh, the Arasos came to our house, Angel and I had conversation when he first got here. But half hour later, we were done, <laughs> and we were just sat looking at each other. We're done. But my wife and Evelyn, oh, my God. They were going from room to room to room like two chickens. <laughs> going mile a minute. Some of us think that Christianity is okay not talking to Jesus. In other words, come back over here, Mark, please. What the Lord was talking about here is this. You can't be a follower. You can't be a true Christian if you don't spend time conversing with me. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Wonderful. He died on the cross to reveal to us a path that God has for our life. Wonderful. But here's the major thing of what he desires. Close relationship. Intimacy. He wants to talk to us and he wants you to talk to him. And some of us, we get so bent out of shape. We get overwhelmed. And I, I mean, in the morning, I talk to God, and I say, okay, Evelyn is coming over. And, oh, my God, she's never going to shut up, God. What am I going to do, God? <laughs> you think I'm kidding? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> but I talk to God, and I converse with God if, as if I'm talking to my best friend because he is my best friend, right? And some of us... Think that we have to get so overwhelmed, and and we get intimidated. I don't know what to tell him. Sure you do. And Thank you, Mark. You can sit down. Come on, give Jesus a hand. (laughs) See, if we profess to be Christian, we've got to spend time with the Lord. We have to talk to him. And and people say, well, how does he talk back? There are times he'll talk right into your heart, and you'll know it's the Lord. There are times you can walk with him as you read your Bible, and he'll talk to you through his word, you see. But he loves to talk to his people. He loves to spend time with us. He loves when we look at it and don't get so crazy in our day. Come on. Have we all been there? We're so crazy our day can get filled up from the moment we get up to the moment we lay our head down at night we're running a thousand miles a minute rustling doing this doing that doing this doing that and there are times where the lord is just simply saying i'm waiting i want to spend time with you come talk to me you see this christian journey is so crucial that we spend time with the lord worship team if you will come here's why here's what i've discovered You and I will never be able to turn away from selfish living. We will never be able to pick up our cross if we don't follow Jesus and spend time with him. See, spending time with Jesus is where you and I get the grace that we need so that we can embrace his will for our life. Spending time with the Lord and talking to him and letting him talk to you is where you and I, he can begin to talk to you and say, Carlos, you know what you're doing here. That's very selfish of you and how you've been treating Yvonne. You need to uh, repent from that and turn from that. See, it's where he begins to communicate with you the areas in your life that you're living selfishly and you may not even know it. You and I will never be able to live out the Christian journey, what we profess with our mouth to be unless we're spending time with the Lord. And that's so crucial, brothers, because only in you and I spending time with the Lord do we actually become like the Lord. God transfers and, uh, and grows His character in and through us the more we spend time along with Him. I love this gathering. I love when the people of God gather together and we sing songs and we hear a word all to encourage us. We're just encouraged just by being with one another. And that's wonderful. That's a special blessing. But the greater blessing is when you are alone with him and you hear his voice and he speaks to you and you can open your heart and bear your soul to him Tell them things that you can't tell anybody else and have him minister to you. Now, listen, that's what it takes to live out what you profess. Jesus concluded in a way that I wouldn't want to conclude and I wouldn't want to conclude this sermon. But this is not my sermon. This is God's. And so I was instructed by God to finish up. What did he say? He said, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. If you say no, if you resist, if you think that you can work this out better your way, you'll wind up losing your soul. But if you lay down your life for me and for the gospel, you'll find it. You'll save your soul. You see. And then he ended with something that is hard sometimes to embrace and hear from lovely Jesus, wonderful Jesus. But Jesus said this, if you hold on to your life, if you continue living selfishly, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, then when I return, I'll be ashamed of you before God. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus ashamed of me. I don't want him looking at my life and saying, Carlos, I'm ashamed that you called yourself Christian. I'm ashamed that you said you were a follower of me when you never did anything that I asked you to do. I want the Lord to be pleased. With me when he returns, and I, I believe you do too. And this word that God has given all of us here this morning is to remind us, because we throw around this word Christian so easily. And, I, I, and the Lord just wants all of us to remember what it took for that to be even available to you and I. It took his sacrifice on the cross, his, shed, his blood spilled, his body broken, It took that so that you and I today can embrace him as our Savior and walk under the banner of Christian. Close your eyes right now. In a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us that are Christians here today that God will help us to live out what we profess. But perhaps there might be someone here today, and you like I was growing up. You never embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if somebody asked, you would classify yourself a Christian. And it wasn't until that day came where, as a young man, I embraced Christ as my Savior, that He washed away my sins, and His Spirit came to live in my spirit and change the direction of my life. And I want to give an opportunity in the event there might be even just one here today that said, Sir, that's me. I thought I was a Christian, but I've never really asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I never asked him to come into my heart to be my Savior and my Lord. But today, sir, would you help me? I'd like to do that. If that's you, sir, ma'am, I'd be honored to pray with you even now. All I need you to do is give me a sign by lifting up your hand. And say that's me pastor would you please pray for me before i pray for anybody else yeah see your hand over here in the front here anyone else this is your moment between you and god say i want to make a decision to say yes to jesus christ precious father i thank you for this life lord i thank you for her courage to to raise up her hand and say I need I want I need to make that decision. I want to make that decision to embrace Jesus Christ as my savior God. And even there might be someone watching over the internet this morning that is in that same place, oh God. Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity today to get right with you, Lord. To say yes to the savior who loves us and died for us. I pray, oh God, in these next few moments that as the, the, the altar team prays with this precious life, that, and, that you would do something great in her life, oh God. Forgive her of her sin and come into her heart by your spirit. And we thank you for it, Father. And even now, Lord, I pray for all of us that have made that decision in the past. We are on this journey called Christianity, oh God. We call ourselves Christian And your word has reminded us this morning of what it truly means to follow you, Lord. And the truth is, Father, every single day, we battle, we struggle. Every single day, this old self wants to act selfishly, oh God. We want things our way. We want to do things. We want what we want. And oftentimes, oh God, when we resist leaving those selfish ways. We wind up getting in so much trouble. Help us to say no to selfish ways today. Let your grace and strength abound in our life today so that we can also pick up our cross. It's not about our plans. It's about your plans. And the word declares that you have a plan not to harm us, but to prosper us, to give us hope, and to give us a future. So I pray today, God, that for the strength and the grace that we need, oh God, to take up our cross, to embrace your will for our life. And lastly, Father, I pray that we would recognize how critical it is to follow you, to spend time with you, Lord, to walk where you walk, to converse with you, oh God, throughout the course of the day. Give us an ear to hear your still small voice. Help us, oh God, when we even open up all, the Bible that, that you will speak to us clearly through that, O oh God. I come against every lie of Satan that tells us we can't have an intimate relationship with you. It's not for us. Lord, it's for every child of God. It's what you desire to do. You desire a deep relationship with all of us. May it happen in all of our lives. We thank you for all that you are going to do, oh God. We thank you that we can walk this path with you, God. We thank you that we can be identified by your name, oh God. What an honor and a privilege it is, oh God. And I thank you that we can live this life that in turn will bring great glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And we bless you for it in that precious name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, sing it one more time.